you're getting so we don't get copyrighted sorry um welcome to the beastcast episode 28 no i have the wrong picture on oh no hold up i'll fix this for everybody i promise i swear i'm not this bad dude this dude We're saved. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. We're saved. We are saved. Welcome to the Beastcast, episode 28. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the greatest, Raven Bones. Woo. I'm not sure about all that. You're not sure about that? You don't think you're the greatest of all time? The goat? No. More like weird buffalo. <laughs> what? Weird buffalo? What does that mean? I have no idea. Dude, speaking of no idea, I don't know why bananas do this. Why do they get, like, nasty, like, after, like, one day? Like, I had one day to eat you, and now it's over. Damn, that sucks. Imagine eating a banana. Hey, they're good with potassium. They're actually, I heard, aren't they like a superfood? Aren't they one of those, um, like avocados and shit? Yeah. Like, you know how people are like, I'm going to eat, I don't like eating avocados, but it's going to make me live one year longer, you know? Yeah. I don't know why torture yourself. Like, think about this. Okay, hold on. This is my hot take. If you are justice, no, uh, if you live your life. And you're like, I hate what I'm doing every single morning, but I'm going to live a year longer. That just means that you're going to keep doing the same thing until you die, which means you're never going to enjoy your life, right? In my in my opinion. So why do it at all? You know, that's the question. Like, I'm just going to eat whatever the fuck I want and be happy. And when I die, I die, bro. Wow, what a base take. Is that supposed to be based, though? I feel like that's how it should be. Is that based in this time, Raven? You're a based expert. I must know. Yeah, that's pretty based. Oh, okay. I don't know, man. Like, dude, hypothetically, okay. I'm not saying, like, go out and fucking eat McDonald's until your fucking heart explodes. But, like, it, don't be ashamed to, like, eat McDonald's, like, once or twice a week. You know? Like, yeah, that's probably not healthy for you, but, like, who gives a fuck? Now you're just being gross. Me? You don't like McDonald's? Did we do a fast food tier list? Where did we rank McDonald's on that fast food tier list? I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. I think I let you rank it, like, on A or something, or B. Well, I don't know if I'd rank it that high, though. Maybe for their breakfast. Their breakfast is all right. I like me a good McRiddle and some uh, Flapjacks. So, Flapjacks. Raven, we have a massive topic at discussion here. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be this massive, but it just ended up being so big. So, um, Raven, the topic here today is FNAF at Freddy's. Okay. Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm -hmm. Now, the question remains. Yeah. Do you think that FNAF, this would just be the general question, and we'll, we'll go into this, but do you think 
from from the experience that you've seen, do you think FNAF is saving the cinema? No. Oh. <laughs> Why? Um, the movie's not gonna save cinema. Okay, but here's the thing. What if it makes like a more billion dollars though? I mean, f- flies are still attracted to shit. I don't. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! This is a different take than you had yesterday. Yeah, that's because I was just trying to get you overly hyped for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to be your hype man so you didn't regret going <laughs> to see it. Well, okay, so here's the ish. As a FNAF fan, I, I it's hard to be it's hard to be non-biased when you're a fan of the of the content. It's kind of like yeah. being a massive Avengers fan and not being biased when watching a Marvel movie, you know? So, like, it was kind of hard for me to not be biased going into this movie. But with that being said, uh-huh. it doesn't. It didn't mean that I didn't have an objective lens on. Um, when when viewing this, this masterpiece of a cinema of cinematography. <laughs> okay, so let's walk through our experiences. Hold on. First up, Raymond, okay. how was your week? Wow, it was a good week. Really? Yeah. What did you, what What was the highlight of your week? I'm assuming not watching this movie. Yeah, obviously not watching this movie. <laughs> uh, the highlight of my week was uh, just simply finally being able to experience the outside without dying of heat. <gasps> That's right. I heard you guys had a, a cold wave this week. Heard, I heard it got to a nice, good temperature. It was like Yesterday 20s. was like 39. It was 20s at night, uh, my dad was saying. Yeah, I had my window open. Uh, I, unfortunately, don't get that pleasure. I do get that pleasure in the morning, but not at night uh, and not during the day. So, Arkansas, where I live. It's south. It's not the deep south yet. It's just on the edge. Where I live is just on the edge of like going down there. Like, you know what? I'm going to tell you what's on. I'll fucking, you know, like that. Okay. It's close. There's a few people like that. It's close, but it's not all the way. So, um, it's been 74 degrees for me for like the past two weeks. And my dad was like laughing. He was like, hi, you went down the Arkansas because it's a little warmer for school and all this other stuff. And it's still the same temperature down there as it is up here. And then all of a sudden my dad called me yesterday. He was like, yeah, what temperature is it for you? I was like, that's like, let me look. And it was like 78 degrees. He goes, fuck you. I was like, why? He goes, it's 21 degrees right now. I was like, (laughs) oh man. Well, you picked to live in Minnesota. Hey, I love living in Minnesota though. Minnesota's awesome. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. Dude. Um no, I love Minnesota because for like ten out of the twelve months, it's fun. Okay, so if you're like if you're an outdoorsy guy, like during the summer, you hate Minnesota because you only get like four good months of outdoor stuff. But if you're like me where you like you love the snow, like you love that gentle snow for like November and December, and like you love like March april and all that stuff like all the seasons that's not just like hot weather minnesota is great 
because after like March, like after middle of March, it's perfect. Like you get a nice cool spring or, or things are starting to grow back and you get to watch the beauty of things growing back. Then you get a, uh, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's the summers can get miserable. They can get very hot and humid thanks to the waters. Um, but then the winters, you, you get like this gentle fall and then it gets really, it's like a steep drop off, but the winters are usually so nice until January. Like usually it is just, it's just nice snowfall. Occasionally you get that heavy snowfall in early December and you're like, damn it. But if you are a four seasons enjoyer, you love it. You love Minnesota. Cause you get mm-hmm. to experience all four of the seasons. Um, but yeah, so, um, the topic at, of hand, the disappearance of Paul Allen. Um, so five nights at Freddy's. Okay. So here's, here's the sitch. We could do this one of two ways. We could just go talking straight in FNAF or we could talk about Willie's Wonderland first. What do you want to do? Uh, why not both? So you want to kind of, you kind of want to go into both at the same time. Yeah, because funny enough, Willie's Wonderland was supposed to be the Five Nights at Freddy's movie until uh, I don't remember exactly what happened, but it like disappointed me at the time where it fell through like budgeting studio rights. Something had fell through. I don't know if the guy who who originally does the game. Scott Cawthon got into some trouble. um, And so they scrapped it. And then that just led to the downfall of that whole movie, I'm assuming. Yeah. And the thing is, is money was already spent. So Mm -hmm. they kind of redesigned the animatronics a little bit from what they had. And then basically hired Nicolas Cage to say absolutely no lines and make a movie that they could still get just a tiny bit of money back from. Okay. Can I just say though, like the only, there's only like two people I could think of that could say no lines. And I would still like, just watch like in a movie situation like that where, you know, it's not going to, they're not trying to be the best blockbuster you've ever seen. They're not trying to be like a high budget film. They're just trying to be dumb and fun. There's only two people that can make a movie like that, not say a single word. And I would still enjoy it. One of them is Nicolas Cage. The other one's The Rock, dude. The Rock can just walk around and do whatever. And, like, I just, like, it's it's usually either funny or it's so dumb. Which is why I hate him in, like, serious roles. Because he's not good at them. I agree. He's not good in them at all. Actually, okay, I take that back. Moana, if you want to count his role in, as Maui in Moana, you can count that as a serious role. And I would say that was his only good serious role then. Uh, Snitch, he did a great job in that one, but nobody really knows about it, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, it's the only one where he actually was allowed to be scared in a scene, where it looked like he was genuinely scared. <laughs> Dude. You know who wasn't scared, though? Nicolas Cage's character in Willy's Wonderland. Exactly. Dude, that, that movie was saved because of him. Okay. Raven... You can start because you have a lot of words, obviously. I have a lot of words, too, but my words are a little different. Um, mine, mine is more of a more of a I'm, I'm petty. OK, because it's <laughs> like I got so hyped for a Five Nights at Freddy movie simply because I wanted to see how could it be adapted to the big screen. And then 
it fell through and then we got Willy's Wonderland and I was like, you know what? I'll accept this because Nicolas Cage pulled this off. It's still crap because it has a stupid uh, a kid's storyline where the teenagers are still breaking into Willy's Wonderland while Nicolas Cage's character is stuck in there cleaning it while murdering these animatronics trying to murder him. And uh, I was just like, sweet, that's the movie. Awesome. You know what? I'll take that. That's great. And then and then this gets pulled up out of nowhere. And I'm like, dude, we already had it. You, it was right over here. What happened? Like, what, how could you do this to Nicolas Cage? Now you make Willy's Wonderland look like a parody that came after came out after this movie. <laughs> and see, OK, so here's the problem I have with the FNAF movie. Um, OK, I, I shouldn't say I have too many problems with the movie, but. There are a few. There there are some very lingering problems. Number one, and this one can't be helped, so help me God, I, I stand by this. You, it is so, yes, there are good child actors, but it is so hard to get a child actor to convey emotions properly. Um, Even the best child actors, you know, it can be done. It's just very rare in very niche circumstances. So when I was seeing the bad acting from, like, the, the child, that like the the little girl Abby, that's one thing. I, I, I can I can let that slide because she's a child. Um the one that I did have a problem with was Josh Hutchinson is a renowned actor. If you want to I mean let's just call it as it is. He's a renowned actor. He was in a blockbuster trilogy that made over what two, three billion dollars in the box office. Alright. That's a renowned actor. I don't care if you played fucking side character. You're considered a renowned actor if you can manage to stay through that whole trilogy and, and still be a main character. So he has that acting experience. So there is no reason for him to have a, a very mediocre acting performance, I feel like. Um, yeah. Because you've been in the industry for as long as you have. And you've done what you've done. Now, I will give Josh this. He's good at uh, conveying emotions. It's just sometimes his words just kind of don't feel like they're matching up to his how he looks. Do you think that he feels a little um, embarrassed to be in this type of movie? I don't know if it's embarrassment. And see, that was the thing. Great, here I am. (laughs) And see, if that's the case, my next question to that would be, who has his dick pic then that's forcing him to do this? Because, like, (laughs) you know, like, like, if you're embarrassed to do a project, quit. Unless he knew that even though this project was embarrassing, it was going to make him money. And that's what I think it probably was. Because here's the thing oh. about this. You get you start putting in Corey Kenshin. You start putting in FNAF fans. You got to remember. I'm looking at – I don't know if you're looking at this screen right now the way I'm looking at it. There are 313 million people – or at least let's just say 313 million views on a Five Nights at Freddy's song. And it's and it's been uh-huh. out for nine years. That's not rookie numbers of people who are interested in in the thing. Now, of course, that's a lot of people who are probably re-listening. So let's just call it as it is. Probably maybe a hundred million people have listened to the song. That's still a hundred million people. If you get ten percent of that yeah. to buy a ticket, let alone watch it, you're golden. I mean, what? That's what, true. What's that's ten true. million times? Let's just say the rough ticket price in America is twelve dollars. What what's ten million times twelve? For just uh, one hundred and twenty million. Yeah, so one hundred and you're making one hundred and twenty million dollars, and that's just at a rough estimate. We're gonna probably assume that number could be a lot higher. 
just because there's a lot of people are like, oh, Five Nights at Freddy's, my kids, you know, I'll I'll bring them to that. Which I have an experience, but I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for the actual theater experience for the for our next segment. Um, the movie itself, I, I I feel like here here's the thing. I think they knew this movie was gonna make a lot of money. When you start putting people like Matt Pat and Corey Kenshin in this, um, the one person they didn't put in, and this was the one thing I was very very mad about, there was no Markiplier cameo. At all. Like, like literally, I don't know how that's possible. He was, if not bigger than Corey Kenshin for views and for getting FNAF popular. It, so really? in, unless he declined it, I don't know why he would not be in the movie. But it's like a fun movie. Why wouldn't you want to be in it? You know, you get paid. Well, hey, we'll give you like $10,000 a fucking say like three lines like that's what they did with Corey Kenshin that's what they they literally sent him an email and said hey you know this is the FNAF project and we're working on this movie um and they said we'll give you like ten thousand dollars if you just want to come in and just you know say a couple lines you know and just and, and kind of be funny you know like you are on YouTube and he was like I'll do it for free he goes I love FNAF it made me who I am dude I'm gonna I'll do it for free. You don't need to pay me money. I think Matt Pat was the same way. I think Matt Pat said, "Don't pay me money to do this. I want to do this." So it just baffles me that like, um, Markiplier wasn't there. Marketpliers. Hello, everybody. My name is Markiplier. Welcome back. To did Matt not Pat having a cameo in the movie bring it down for you? Yes, it did actually. It honestly did because like, okay, when when you think of FNAF. Five Nights at Freddy's. When I'm thinking of Five Nights at Freddy's 1 and 2, okay? Actually, let's just go 1 and 2 and 3 because they came out in, like, a seven-month time period, okay? Or, no, probably about an eight-month time period because the first one was, like, September 2014. Fat FNAF 2 was October or November or December 2014. And then February 2015, FNAF 3. So let's just say that, like, little area right there, okay? That Five Nights at Freddy's period. Those three movies. Or those three games, sorry. Um, the, the main people I think of watching play that game, the three people, actually, no, the two main people. Cause I didn't watch anybody else really, but uh, the two people I remember watching at the time were Markiplier and Corey Kenshin play that game. Corey Kenshin, because I was already subbed to Corey Kenshin and his channel was blowing up because of it. And he's funny as hell. And he was funny back then too. Um, and he's a great kids YouTuber too, because he doesn't cuss. So, like, you can just set your kids on watching it, and you can kind of get that, like, PG, you know, parental guidance type of content where, like, he's playing horror games that, like, people die in, but he's not swearing or anything like that. So, you know, it's like, oh, I guess it's all right. Yeah, you know? that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then Markiplier was like the, holy fuck, holy shit, you know, like, getting scared and, was that the bite of 87? That that one's like, that's a really, <laughs> that's a really popular meme. That's why, like... It's he's a meme too, and then the reason why they had MatPat in it is because MatPat's channel blew the hell up when he started making FNAF theories, like Five Nights at Freddy's series. Like when I think of like FNAF now, I think of those three, but at the time I only think of those two, so they only have one of them. And then MatPat, of course, I mean MatPat's also hella friends with Scott Coffin too. I mean Scott Coffin probably gives him the lore books before anybody else, which we'll get to that too because I think. Having Scott Coffin on the project made it better. But, the, okay, did you, what did you think of, of the cameos? 
I'm gonna be honest. I didn't recognize a single cameo Whoa. because I never watched any YouTubers play Five Nights and you at weren't, Freddy's. And you weren't like the biggest FNAF fan either. I'm assuming like the massive. Well, I I didn't mind watch. I didn't mind playing the games, and I didn't mind watching streamers on Twitch get scared at it because it was really funny to just watch some people play it live. Uh, but like I really wasn't into it. Into it. So yeah. I I I, de- I never really noticed. I didn't notice all the cameos. And see, so. my generation, the generation that's about eight or nine years younger than you, their generation or our generation was YouTube. Like YouTube was our thing, you know, YouTube and Twitch. And so when this, when something is as big as this is, that audience, this is why I said I, I texted you and I was like, this general audience right now in this theater is between the ages of fucking 15 and 25. There is not a single person in this theater that uh, there was okay i take that back there was two people in that theater who were definitely over the age of 25 but i'll tell you what i'm saving this because it's it was fucking annoying i'll save it i'll save it but other than that every person in there was 16 to 20 or 15 to 25 and one of the girls who was in there was in one of my classes and she was like oh hey you're that kid from class i was like yeah she goes oh my god i love your shirt i was wearing my amelia watson shirt that i have like this orange or this yellow amelia watson shirt and she was like you're wearing oh that shirt is awesome she goes where'd you get it and i was like oh shit i bought it and um and i was like trying to think i was like fuck where did i buy it and i remember it was a limited run like back in 2021 where you could only get it for like a certain amount of time in like february so i was like oh i got it from omnicat um they're like a they're like a clothing company they only do like limited time release stuff so I, bu- I bought the shirt back then she goes i'm gonna rip that off your body she goes i love that shirt i was like oh okay and also oh my gosh yeah but okay so so here here's the thing about the cameos though i as an avid watcher i was livid when i saw that the diner scene with the waiter that was matt pat and then the taxi driver was cory kenshin you know the what the freak you know the God, oh yeah okay the yeah you know that and so um cory kench's cameo was at a goofy time but i guess it worked whatever um but matt pat's cameo was great matt pat's cameo was perfect literally like did you know that lunch is the most important uh meal of the day and he's like really i thought it was breakfast and he goes well that's just a theory and i was like oh like that was like all the FNAF fans who were watching it in the theater, they all gasped and they were like laughing. Like it was like they st- they wanted to clap. Like that was their end game moment. <laughs> that was their end game. That was that, that was the Oscar moment. That was the Oscar moment. Everybody was like, "No way!" Literally, like you know the scene when Captain America grabs a hammer in Endgame, and everybody yeah. in the theater goes, "Oh!" Like and they start clapping. You know that was what it was when he said that. I see. Same, okay. Same reaction. Same. Light, light skin, no reaction. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was, I was a little upset that there was no, um, no Markiplier. Hold on, I, I'll, I'm gonna type something in here. Hold up. I wanna. Uh, you can't really hear me, so I'm screaming. But I'm gonna do this. Was that the bite of 87? 
<laughs> bro is so bro is so distraught over a 16 an 8 bit pixel game <laughs> imagine being that shocked at pixels was that the point his face right now that we haven't paused on is hilarious that is a live reaction oh my god okay so what did you think of the actual animatronic animations too uh in the movie i thought the animatronics were done beautifully well i agree i actually like, agree a that lot. was that i was happy to see that they knew okay i don't know how big the budget was don't google it but i can see that i mean you can if you want but i can see that they definitely knew that most of their budget didn't have to go to all this other fancy stuff that if you got the animatronics right the whole movie would be sold and that's the thing that i love i feel like i feel like that's where most of the budget went which is good um and, and here's the thing i feel like you have to have for this movie to really work and this is why this is actually too this is why this movie falls is the problem that arises is for someone like you who's not like a lore expert okay like somebody who doesn't like go in and has like read like a bunch of the books and watched like a thousand theory videos on it okay like i have like that was what I used to do. Like I would sit, I'd come home from school, I would literally say, "Okay, Matt Pat's new, you know, new game theory about is William Afton and and his and the guy who made um Fazbear Entertainment, you know, this and this and this." I would sit there and watch that for hours and fucking like it was it was almost as bad as my Star Wars Legends lore studies. That was bad. That was a bad time in my life. But <laughs> um it's kind of the same thing where if you make it too niche the general audience is going to not understand it. And that's, I think the problem that faltered. I think for somebody like me who knows everything, this was epic because you hear all the references and you hear everything that that's making sense as you've seen it. But for someone like you, who's only played the games, you're not going to really understand much of it other than just looking at it from a very, you know, as you see it lens. Like, this is how I see it. This is what's happening. But, like, <clears throat> the animatronics were done beautifully. I just want to say this. Um, I love... Here's the thing that I think Willy's Wonderland faltered in. Is Willy's Wonderland actually has a horror aspect to it. Because of the way the animatronics are, are, are done. <clears throat> where they're more human-like. Where they kind of are floppy. And they kind of... You know, they feel like they have a lot of joints. You know? Uh, animatronics in the 80s and 90s weren't like that. <laughs> animatronics didn't really get joints like that hell even joints like how you see it in five nights at freddy's like that type of animatronic work isn't done till like the late 2000s like they're like Chuck E. cheese like those animatronics those were like i can't remember what the word for it is it's like a it's like a three it's like a three-step process or like a three-step animatronic which means they have two they have like three functions they have a head that can turn they have so they have like a cylinder that turns their head. They have they have a thing that can raise their arms and move the arms like left and right, but not like they can't move the hands. You can just move the arms, and then they just have their bodies that can kind of turn like their whole like torso. But these animatronics are more like um, in depth, which I know like studying the the actual like the understanding of animatronics is ridiculous, but whatever. Um, the thing is. It's done accurate, though, to, I feel like, how the physics of an animatronic would be. If that makes sense. 
Like, if that animatronic existed in the real world, I feel like it would move like that. Yeah, it was, it felt very real. It felt like, because, like, in, in Willy's Wonderland, like, you're like, oh, that's a motherfucker in a suit, you know? Like, it was, like, very easy to know that that was just some dude in a suit getting his ass beat. Yeah, I was actually really surprised by the animatronics in this movie. I honestly thought that they were going to be crap, to be to be fair. I thought they were going to pull a full FNAF. When I saw Scott Coffin was on this, Scott Coffin, <clears throat> the way he has his game, so I, we'll, we'll talk about this too. But the way he has his games, he doesn't like to show the actual things happening, like the animatronics moving and stuff like that. That's kind of like the big no-no. The only animatronic you ever see move in the first three FNAF games like move move and the first three FNAF games is Foxy and it's only in FNAF one when he's running down the hall and it's actually just an animation that plays it's actually crazy how, how it works it's just an animation that plays like it's just something that pops up on your screen it's an animation and has a timer and if the timer hits zero Foxy will just jump scare you automatically even if you have the door closed but if you close the door before that timer hits zero he won't jump scare you it resets the timer um uh, okay. Whereas in the new games, in the new, like, getting into, like, Five Nights at Freddy's 5 and 4, the animatronics actually are moving around. Like, it, the, the game is actually a, like, I, 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 I know this sounds hard to believe, but Five Nights at Freddy's 4 was the first game to do this, where, where it, there's actually, like, a whole level. You can only access little pieces of the level, you know, where you can, like, run to the door, run to the other door, turn around. But the animatronics are actually moving around in the level. They're moving around in the level, uh. But in the in the first three games, it's not like that. It's just like they just have the animatronic. He just places the animatronic at a certain spot on like a picture, and the animatronic will get closer to you, you know, and it's all just on a timer essentially. But so I was surprised that I even saw the animatronics move at all. I figured they were gonna pull the old like uh the 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 camera, you know, crushes out and yeah and you just and they move to a different spot and they kind of had that aspect but once they the animatronics got friendly like when you saw the ghost of them they started to move around and that was so uncanny as as like somebody who's like played the old fnaf games it was so uncanny to see them just start moving around like that um but yeah i, I felt like the animatronics were done amazing i think i think whoever built them really needs a raise if they were if they were fully functional built like that, I think absolutely. If there was no CGI done to those animatronics other than probably to the eyes and face, I think absolutely. I think that person needs to get onto some fucking Marvel project and start making animatronics for them. Because cause real real animatronic work is awesome for movies. I don't know if you know like the alien from Aliens and Alien is yeah. an animatronic. Yeah. Um, that's a way different animatronic. That animatronic's like on a on like a cart. But yeah, it's so cool. That that type of work's awesome. And I feel like that's why I think the animatronics were probably so good. Because Hollywood already uses animatronics for, like, movies. So then you just get somebody who's, like, an animatronic expert. And you get a bunch of people. Like, you just pay them, like, here. You know? Here's your yearly salary. Fucking make me animatronics that work for the movie. You know? Make them clunky. But, all right. Well, they did a great job on them. Yes, so. they did. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about my theater experience. Then we're going to talk about the actual movie's plot. And then we're going to talk about what we think of the movie. We'll be right back. Bye, lovelies.
Welcome back to the Beast Cast, baby. Thank you for staying tuned in this far. We have the best takes, best content, and we love our rabbit trails of conversation. We have our hosts, JJ and Raven Bones, bringing you another segment. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Beastcast. Um, as we we were we were just discussing um, some good FNAF stuff in the previous segment, we're gonna continue because this is this is the movie of the year. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, Raven, you watched this movie. I want I want to go through your experience. So, me and Raven had two. For those of you who don't know, me and Raven had two very different experiences when watching this movie. Um, they the experiences were, let's just say, um, uh, very different. I'll just say that very different. So, Raven, yeah, go ahead with very your, different. Go, start with your experience of the movie. Well, you see, um, I opened up the video file on my computer and I pressed play, uh, and I watched the movie. And that was my experience. <laughs> but, like, okay, walk us through. Like, what did you, like, how did you prep for the movie? Did you just seriously just hit play? Where did you watch it on? On your computer or on your phone? Yeah, my computer. I watched it on my computer. Sitting in my my beautiful broken chair at my desk. And uh, I got myself some tacos because I make homemade tacos. Got myself a Celsius drink. Celsius, and, yeah, like the energy drink. Yeah. Whoa, Raven. And uh, well, I mean, I chug those, so I love them. Ooh. Who doesn't like two hundred milligrams of caffeine? I drink so, monsters. Ha, sissy. Yeah. Who needs monsters? Come they're on, also bro. zero. They're the zero sugar ones too. Oh my god! Dang, that's even worse. It is worse. They're horrible. They give you acne. They have a lot of B twelve and B six in them. They have like four hundred percent of your daily value. If you have like more than two of them, your fucking face will just break out. Yeah, but like, you're also drinking all that aspartame, bro. I don't know if Monster uses aspartame. I think they use they a different do. sweetener. Well, you if you have a can, just look at the back of it. But anyways, so I grabbed a Celsius and I basically pressed play and I watched it and my computer screen was sufficient enough because it is a big screen that I have uh, to enjoy this film for what I could. And okay, so 
when you're watching the movie, right? What was your uh-huh. first reaction like? Like before, like going into this movie, what did you think? I thought that it would have been better if I just I I was basically looking for a repeat of Willy's Wonderland just without the crazy Nicolas Cage. And you didn't get that. No, I did not get that. So were you kind of upset by the end of the film? Um, no. Like you didn't feel betrayed like, "Oh, man, this was horrible." Uh, I, not okay. I didn't feel betrayed in terms of, you know, Okay, I didn't I didn't like the movie. <laughs> I I did and I didn't, okay? Because, like, I'm not, like, a fan like you are, okay? I haven't read books. I've watched maybe a few theory videos. I haven't, like, all I know is, like, the first two games and the fourth one or whichever one it is where that kid's in their bedroom and you're running door to door and have to. Okay, yeah. I only know, know, like, one, two, and four, okay? And the premise of the games are you make it through a night and you try not to die. So when I walked into this movie, I was like, I was happy to see that Josh or me, you know, the dude, the dude playing the main dude. Okay. I was happy to see he got the security guard position. I was happy that they had the little uh, guy talking to him over the phone, telling him about the job, kind of like a throwback to when you start the, the, you know, the, the first game. It's also accurate to the games too, because the phone guy is purple guy, which is William Afton. Yeah. Okay. I was happy about all that. And then I was like, ah, the dude is like doing the thing The the animatronics are doing some funky stuff, but like you don't really see it, which is okay. Cause I'm like, this is a movie. They got to draw out these five nights, obviously. They didn't even have five called... nights, by the way. I want to say that they did not have five nights. If you go back it... and count, there was only four nights because the one day he went in the, he went during the day. And if you want to count, I mean, the final battle was on the fifth night. But he didn't survive five nights. He only did four nights of job. Exactly. He failed. And so, <laughs> and so, like, I was happy to see the first day go by the way it did. And I was all like, aha, see, now we're going to get it. We're going to have the movie with this dude at the cameras. He's going to be switching between them because he has the little buttons, just like in the game. A little, you know, similar to the game or the best how you could put that into a live adaptation. And 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 he we're, he's going to see the animatronics move and and we're going to have like a similar path that we saw a little preview of, of the very first security guard trying to escape through the vent and end up getting, you know, eaten by that machine. So it's like I was like, yeah, here we go. We're going to have it. And then childhood dream kidnapping bullshit and some other side story with the thing and i'm just like dude i just wanted to see a guy get an effed up job at a security place and then like maybe a cameo of the golden freddy fazbear somewhere and like it it, that's about it he escapes i don't obviously there would need to have been a small side plot to you know maybe end the terror of five nights at Freddy's place, you know, the Freddy Fazbear place. But I, I was just like, I just wanted to see a security guard do exactly what we did in the game because it, it started out well and it was translating well to screen. And then all that other stuff happened. And I was just like, 
By the time the 40 hour mark came around where the girl was becoming friends with the animatronics, I, I actually just kind of like, like slammed my, my hand down on the desk, like, like not a really slam, but just let it hit the desk in a sigh. And I was like, I don't know where this movie is going, but now I'm bored. And okay. And, and that's what I was talking about in the last segment. This is a very lore heavy movie. It follows the lore very well. But for somebody who has no idea about the lore, they're going to have no idea what's going on. So, in the game's lore, there is never Abby or anybody like that. The security guard, let, let's put it this way. The first game, which is, this is what it's a mimic of. Um, it, well, it's actually a mimic of the story behind the first game. Um, you kind of get that through the four games itself. But the first game um, is just... Yeah, it's a survival horror game. There's not a lot of lore to it. Um, the only lore to it is that you you find out in the first game that there are bodies stuffed in the animatronics and they're probably haunted and that's why they're trying to kill you. Um, another thing that I was really upset about is I don't know if you I don't know if you notice this, but Golden Freddy's not in the movie at all. It's Springtrap. Now Golden Freddy is different from Springtrap. They're two different entities. Golden Freddy is Fredbear. He's the other. Um, he's the first Freddy. The very first ever Freddy. He is, he's Fredbear. He is the, like, um, he, he was like him and Springtrap were the first two. And normally his body is mangled somewhere um, in, in the place. You don't really get to see that in the first game that often. But you can occasionally get jump scared by Golden Freddy, which sucks because I think it's RNG if I remember correctly. Or you got to stare at him for a certain amount of time. But you'll see his eyes a lot. You'll just see his eyes a lot. Like Freddy. Now, I didn't see that. And here's the thing. William Afton as Springtrap, that's who he is. He did use a Springtrap suit to lure the children. That's what, if you notice the, the video games at the beginning, you know, in the... Yeah. Th that was William Afton. Like, that plays out in the in the actual games, too. Like, in the video games, as you see William Afton, you know, killing them. And it wasn't just... It wasn't just, like, the the um children like the way it was if you notice there was five children but there was only four animatronics mm -hmm. that's because the fifth children is supposed to be the golden freddy one the one that they stuffed that all the animatronics stuffed into the golden freddy suit but it's he doesn't play a role which was really odd to me and this is when i got the news this morning you know how hollywood works now where everything works so quickly that before things even get fucking done with being in production, they're fucking talking about a second season or a second movie. Um, yeah. There's rumors that there will be a second movie. Well, yeah, there was uh, the um, that kid with the with the blonde hair. I think he's the Golden Freddy, and it showed a, a little teaser at the end there that he's kind of still there. Well, yeah, he's. I mean, all the animatronics are still there. Um, I, I think they want you to think that's regular Freddy, but I do think that is probably more than likely golden Freddy. Yes. Just because the blonde hair, that's the annotation. But the thing is, is golden Freddy in, in the lore isn't the one behind everything. He was kind of like the lost child where like the child died from the bite of 87 and they didn't know where to put the body. Well, sorry, the bite of 87 kid survives. It's the other kid that gets killed like around that time. 
They didn't know where to put the body, so they just stuffed it in the fucking golden the golden Freddy suit. There's a mini game about that, um, where you're the mangle you're the mangler, and there's five boxes, or not mangler. Um, you're mm-hmm. the puppet. You're the puppet, and there's five boxes, and you're supposed to like bring the souls to each one of the animatronics. But then when you try to get to the fifth one, purple guy comes and he fucking steals you, so you can never put the body in the soul. It's kind of sad, but um, that was really odd to me that. That he didn't play a bigger role than I thought he was going to play. Now, the thing is, like I said, there's acting problems. But from a, from being accurate to the lore, this this is really good. I don't know if you know any... You probably have never heard any of the, the audio tapes or anything like that from the games. But um, the at the end, what sounded really cringy for most people... Where William Afton in the swing trap suit, when when it's walking, he goes, "I always come back." That's really big in the. That's like a really big part of the audio. One of the audio tapes of William Afton um, getting stuck in the spring lack suit in the lore. And the voice okay. actor does a better job than that actor did of that, by the way. Um, so he mimicked that, and I was like, "Whoa, that was fucking sick!" You know, um, the spring lock suit—the way it works. Um, most people probably wouldn't have paid attention. They'd been like, "Oh, you know, I saw that earlier in the movie." Haha, ha, you know, it's scary. He's gonna die, um, but he's not really dead. His body like slowly bleeds out, and he just becomes like a ghost husk, kind of like the other kids. So, interesting. Uh, I, I'm, I, I did like the idea of having Springtrap be in the movie. But I feel like it was too early, if that makes sense. You know, if they were going to do this and we already know the the popularity of Five Nights at Freddy, you, you proved it already. And you even got to see the popularity of the theater being packed yep, we'll and selling that. out um, like for me, it's like, why couldn't the first one? be like why couldn't the movie be like the first game where it is a true horror movie like you know for mimicking the games and near the end of like the fifth night when this dude is surviving his security job everything starts unraveling where he finds out that it's kids in a suit and then boom it cuts to black and then the second movie picks up where now well, because you know here's how it would go lore wise if you did a second movie if you wanted to do a second movie it would it, it wouldn't be with the same security guard it would be with it would be the prequel it would be the 1980s one with the with the with the five nights at freddy's 2 cast of characters the toy freddy toy bonnie and all mm-hmm. them that would be where you would probably i mean it'd make more sense to do it that way and then you could kind of conjoin the two stories. Now, that's how the lore is to begin with. In the first game, you don't get a lot of lore. And here's why I think you could still do the whole, like, falling asleep and having the dreams thing, you know? And yeah. him seeing the kids. But I don't, I think they went about it too fast. And here's why I think they went about it too fast. They were too scared that they were not going to get another opportunity to do this. So they wanted to kind of cram everything into one story, you know? Because you're essentially getting about three games worth of story with only one set of the game's characters. If yeah. That, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's that's a little too much. Because now we know too much, so like, why would I want to watch a second movie other than... We know William Afton's gonna... I mean, we... The thing is, if they do a prequel movie, like they do with the prequel game, with the Toy Freddy and Toy Bonnie and Toy Chica and all that, 
The thing is about that, that that then would be my question, is what's going to make me watch the movie? I know William Afton's going to die. I know... Unless they're going to try and pull some saw bullshit where, like, it's from the perspective of William Afton. I, what's going to bring me to watch this movie? I mean, barely this movie barely got me to come watch it in theaters to begin with. Um, which is why they posted mm-hmm. on Peacock, by the way, too. Because I know, like, what's the point of fucking going to spend $13 for a ticket for this movie? You know? So and that, yet people still did. Well, I have a theory about that. A game theory. Um, no, it's just like, if they do another movie, it would have been cool if, I think this could have been a good TV show. I think this could have been one of those good Peacock original TV shows. Yeah. With like hour long episodes with like 50 minute. Yeah. Hour long episodes, you know, maybe have five episodes, one for a night each night. Do that for a second season. Do that for a third season. Boom. You know, that way you don't have to worry about, because when you do it in a movie, Yes, your budget's higher, but, like, then you can kind of have – then there can kind of be a reason to say, oh, that's why they're shitty acting, and, oh, why that's that's why that thing didn't really add up there. You know, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a TV show, you know? Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to make a movie, not saying this is, was ever trying to be a blockbuster, but it's going to make blockbuster money, which begs the question, are they going to try and make the next one? Are they going to try too hard to make the next one a blockbuster? For example, I think of of duo like duo films. When I think of duo films, uh, now you see me. You remember now you see me the movie? Yeah, I, re- I remember. That the one, first yeah. movie wasn't supposed to be like a massive massive blockbuster. I mean, it, they had like a good cast, so they wanted to make a decent amount of money. But when it blew up, they decided to make a second movie, and then it bombed because they tried way too hard to make it like some blockbuster cool film. You know. Mm hmm. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I actually liked it. But then, you like the second Now You See Me movie? Yeah, I do. Oh, cool. Well, most people didn't. <laughs> so, but, you know, opinions are subjective. But, like, that's what I'm afraid of, is they're going to make something like that for the second film. I don't want it to be a, you know, I don't want it to be, like, what's the word? I don't want them to mess it up. I think they have a good... You don't want them to do what Hollywood does. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I know that's a lot to ask for these days. Um, But... I just... I think that the, the problem is... I, I like the, I want to like this movie. That's the thing. I want to like this movie. I want to sit down and say, this is a good movie. It wasn't like the greatest movie. It wasn't like a top 20 movie, top 30 movie. But it's a good movie. It deserves the praise. But like, there's just so many things that like it. Ha- it's too niche. It like, it, it's so hard to not be object or subjective when talking about it. Because from an objective lens, I understand that this movie is very bland. Um, for most people who don't know about anything of the lore, you're gonna struggle, um, and you're gonna get I'm, bored. I was actually funny enough. Okay. I know I ragged on it. I was enjoying the dream sequence and him trying to relive the memory of the day his his little brother got taken and trying to fit and, and trying to figure it out. And I was and I was actually noticing 
that uh, where the kids had ran to and moved were also where the suits had went, the animatronics had went when he had woken up in the building. And I was like, dang, that's some like cool connection stuff. It's only when the 40 hour mark came around when the little girl was becoming best friends with the animatronics and they were doing the whole thing with the police officer chick of, oh, oh, let's go make a fort. Let's do all this. Where I was like, what movie am I supposed to be watching? Like the first 35 minutes of this film or 30 minutes of this film was doing great. I was actually being satisfied. And then it's like, you lost me afterwards. Like I was actually enjoying the hell out of it. I was like, dang, I can't wait to see, you know, cause I know that it has the children in the, in the suits. And, and I know that their spirits are, or souls are lingering there because of what was done to them and some sort of like, you know, not knowing the lore way. And I'm like, this dude's having dreams and he's seeing these kids. This obviously will be like something that adds to the mystery later. And then it's like, it gets completely thrown out. And I was like, okay, well, all right. Well, yeah. Let's go make a damn fort, I guess. And, and that's what I think. I think the movie lost track and I don't. And, and here's the thing. Okay. I almost want to do a whole nother segment on this for our final segment to just be all about FNAF and maybe we have time to, um, but the, the, the thing is, is I don't feel like for people who are going to rag on this, I don't think that was Scott Coffin's call to do the fort building and all that weird side plot in my eyes. When, whenever I think of Scott Coffin, okay, so here's, here's the thing. People are like, Oh, why would you put the game developer and the guy who made it, you know, why would you put him at the top, like, producer? Why not do, ha like, why not have him help write it, you know, and help, like, get things around? But, like, like that's going to, it's going to make things bad when he's the full producer. That's what people, I, I saw a lot of people saying that. Is like, I don't trust Scott Coffin to be a producer of a movie. Um, like, what does he know about producing a movie? And then this was my counter argument is, is why would you feel scared of him producing a movie? And, and, and let me put this into something that, that makes sense for everybody. You got to remember who Scott Coffin is. This guy managed to create a in-depth world in lore in a whole universe with, with multiple different settings, thousands of hours of research, actual real scientific papers done on the, on like the, like psychology of, of like the animatronics and in, in the characters. Okay. Why, why he has done all of this and created all of this from a game where you literally sit in one place and look at cameras and shut doors. Now, what, what do you think is harder producing a film and creating a story through a medium that allows you to create a story through it? Or do you think it would be harder to make a story through a medium that is not meant to make a story? Obviously, you're going to pick the latter, right? Most of those survival horror games like that, you're never going to have that big of in-depth lore, right? And he did that. He made an in-depth lore of it, okay? Now, I don't see why anybody would be scared if somebody has the capability and power to do that, why they would be scared to let him produce a movie where it would be easier to express the story that he's trying to give. That was what I was 
trying to figure out is now he's actually getting free range to do whatever he pleases. And think about what he did with such a limited space. And now look at what he could do when he has the world at his fingertips. And I get it. I get Scott Coffin may not be the best guy. He's had his problems. He has bad political takes. He had bad problems. He had, he's not maybe possibly the best father. There's a lot of things wrong with him. But at the end of the day, I think this guy should not be undercredited. I think you got to realize that this guy has written five to six full novels, successful novels on, on, on this franchise. So to not let him have full range over the movie would be very stupid, I think. He's a genius. Whether you like it or not, he's a genius when it comes to the story. And he's one of the only people that understands the story the way it wants to be done, mainly because he was the person who wrote it, but also because this is his life. I mean, Scott Coffin was a game developer. He was an indie game developer before FNAF. But this is his life since 2014. All he's done is FNAF. Which sucks because I un I understand he's finally after, pff, what, nine years finally getting the opportunity to make a FNAF movie and have, his, and have FNAF finally be a respected medium. Because before it was like, oh, that's the stupid horror game, you know. It's dumb. It has a lot of stupid lore. But now people are like, oh, wow, that's actually a good story. And, you know, it's kind of cool. I, I finally am glad that people understand that even though he might not be the best guy, he this is his story. You should just let him do it. Let let him let him tell his story. And I think I think this this is the combination of when you let a writer produce, you will get a very you you will get a lot of what you want, but you will get a lot of what you don't want in it. That tends to be the problem with writers running tv shows and um movies you get a lot of what you, you you get a lot of um you get a lot of long dialogue scenes that seem boring but but that's because that's what writers are written to do i mean when you watch it okay so martin scorsese said this and this was awesome because he just said this recently in an interview because I, I don't know if you guys heard this. This is massive news, which we should have probably covered on the podcast to begin with. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is officially retiring from filmmaking. Really? Uh, he's making his last film, which will probably come out at the end of next year. And he's done at the age of six. He'll be 61 when it comes out. He is a, he announced um, on Monday that he's completely done with filmmaking after this film. Martin Scorsese was getting interviewed for Killers of the Flower Moon for it, and they mentioned Quentin Tarantino, and Scorsese said this. He said, Quentin Tarantino is a writer at heart. And he goes, and that's the difference between mine and his movies. Because somebody asked, like, who do you think, I think they asked Scorsese, who do you think had better movies, like their best peak movie, Tarantino or you? And he said, well, that's a dumb question because we're two separate we're two separate entities when we come to making films. We make films differently. Scorsese was like, he's a writer at heart, and he's a writer of his stories. His stories are written, and they're usually written to mess with time, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Django Unchained, yeah. um, stuff like that. Um, but he goes, he's a writer. I'm, a, I, I'm at heart a director, which means that I, I don't have the ability to write a story. I have the ability to tell a story. I don't have the ability to write a story. He goes, so when you watch a Quentin Tarantino film, 
you're watching a film that's written and directed by him about a story. When you're watching one of my films, you're watching a Scorsese directed and told story. You're not watching a Scorsese written story. He goes, I don't write my films. He goes, I help. I don't write them. He goes, and that's the difference. You can't, you can't compare us because we make two different mediums, even if some of our movies get very similar in, in aspects. And that's kind of the same thing is when you get that writer's aspect, if you've ever watched a Tarantino movie, there's a lot of long dialogue scenes. I mean, just talk about Django Unchained. It's a movie about it's supposed to be a cowboy Western movie, but almost 40 percent of it is sitting and talking close up dialogue. So like that's what happens is you get stuff like that. And that's what happened with this. You kind of got these weird long moments where like things are like, oh, what the hell is going on? However, I do think that he probably didn't have full control because I don't think Scott Cawthon would have ever wrote Abby into the film to begin with. So, Well, let's hope the second one gets him more freedom. We saw what happened when, you, when we didn't let George Lucas bring out his vision in the first, th- you know, the prequels. Dude, if they could go back and redo the prequels with George doing it exactly how he wanted to do it. I would probably cry. I don't know if I could handle that. I mean, all he has to do is start from Attack of the Clones and go forward. That's true. Phantom Menace was pretty much what he wanted. Yeah. So just bring out that beautiful Darth Jar Jar. And 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 that really pisses me off, too, because Phantom Menace was so hyped and everybody actually did like Phantom Menace. There was like it started like it started lingering like it was weird. It was like after a month, everybody was like, wait, this film's shit. I don't know why that happened. Like, all of a sudden, everybody just turned on George like that. It, it, it was it, – it started out, I think, as a Jar Jar hate, and then they started just start nit, nitpicking. And then Attack of the Clones came out, and, you know, Attack of the Clones wasn't that good. And so then people got even more pissed at him. But I feel like Revenge of the Sith still holds up, though. Like, despite everybody bitching and yelling at George and saying, we're going to fucking kill you for ruining our Star Wars, you know, I feel like he still did a good job with Revenge of the Sith. For what for the pressure he was under. Yeah, I think he did a good job with it. I will tell you this. This is my biased opinion. The final fight scene, Yoda, Palpatine, Anakin versus uh Obi Wan is better than the Luke versus Darth Vader fight in episode six, and it's better than the Darth Maul versus Obi Wan and Qui Gon fight in episode one. When you think of the best three fights from Star Wars, you think of those three fights. And I put that one on top just because it's such a tense battle and Hayden and Hayden and, um, oh God, what's his name? No, no, no. I'm blinking. I'm blinking. I'm blinking. Help me. Raven. Obi-Wan's actor. God, why am I blinking? Obi-Wan's actor. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Um, Ewan McGregor. Yep. McGregor. Yep. Um, no, I said the last wrong name. Hold on. What does Ewan got? I'm going to look it up. It's Ewan McGregor. It's got to be. Okay. Sorry. My bad. For some reason, that last name made me think of the stupid uh, UFC fighter. Yeah. yeah the by, boxer. Yeah. Yeah. UFC fighter. <laughs> Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God. I fucking love that. I love that fucking where the guy's like. Wait, bro, you don't even know who the fuck I am. You don't even know what I've done. And fucking Conor McGregor just looks at him and goes, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> fuck, never heard of him <laughs> in my life. Uh, I hate saying the last name, too, because it's like, I, if I'm not prepared to say it, I fumble through that la- la- last Gregor, name. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. But yeah, no, that fight, it was just so well shot and it was tense, too. 
It was really tense. And when I say so well shot, I understand everybody's like, oh, it was all shot on blue screen. Yes, I'm aware. But you got to remember, they were still fighting and acting. And that was what I was meaning when it's shot. Um, also, I'm pretty sure the Palpatine versus Yoda fight didn't even happen. I don't even think they had actors. I think they dead-ass made that all in CG. Because Palpatine, if you notice, Palpatine's very CG in that in that fight. Just because he's in his mm-hmm. uh, he's in his evil, dark Palpatine era, you know. I'm in my Palpatine era. Um, he is... I think that whole fight had to have just been completely CJ. You know, not completely. The there the, was actors. There was an uh, the dude who played Palpatine. Act, uh, uh, parts of it were CGI, yeah, and the other parts were actually him standing in a stationary thing, and he actually just randomly swung his sword around as if he was fighting a ghost, and then they CGI'd Yoda to match his movements. Okay. Um. Have you ever okay? So it was the first ever, and this is, this is something you can give credit to. Attack of the Clones is garbage, and you can say Attack of the Clones is garbage all you want. You can I 100% agree with you. Attack of the Clones is really bad. But here's the thing about Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones can claim one thing. It had the first full CGI war, like first full CGI battle scene of all time. Where everything in it is CGI. You can go and watch the nitpick. Uh, I think Corridor Crew did an amazing job analyzing it. They're a VFX company that um they have like a YouTube channel. Uh, they did an amazing job analyzing it, and um their analysis. If you if you look, it's the it's the battle when the clones first come. It's the droids versus the clones, and it is so beautiful to watch when you just let CGI do its thing, where it's all like rendered on a computer you notice everything is so perfect the light is perfect the smoke is perfect the guns are perfect everything is exactly how it's it, it was supposed to be because when you look at the clones they're all cgi most of the time they're C- in cgi armor when they're with the other real actors um they usually just had the guy just stand next to them in like some dummy armor that was like you know they could crop out so to actually fully see it how it would how it would be shown was so beautiful. I'll end on that. Um, we'll we'll end on that. Um, when we come back, we're gonna talk about the theater experience, and then we're gonna give FNAF. It is we're gonna give it its rating. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Let's fucking do this. Oh wait, I probably shouldn't start it like that. Um, welcome back to the Beastcast episode twenty eight. We are talking about. FNAF at Freddy's, is this where you want to be? I just don't get it. Dude, I, dude, that song, man. Are you a fan of the, like, fan-made FNAF music? Have you listened to a decent amount of it? Uh, no, I haven't listened to hardly any. Really? really? I might have heard a few. Okay, you I know might have heard song, a few fan-made songs. The song at the end of the movie, did you notice what that song was? No. That was a fan-made song. At the end of the movie, by the Living Tombstone, that one that I played really? at the beginning of the of the episode. Oh yeah, that, that is it. That song played, and that was like the FNAF song. Like it was completely fan made. It wasn't. It's Scott Coffin, and nobody of the FNAF crew had anything to do with it. And they made it. And to hear that, dude, that that was why everybody was like, "Oh, this is our end game, dude." Because like. This was, like, everything they wanted. Like, if a FNAF fan literally probably came in their pants when they when they watched this movie. 
like a full die-hard FNAF fan. <laughs> okay. Because like it is literally like everything you would want. Now I'm excited for the Poppy's Playtime movie. No, God, dude, please. We can be done yes, with we please. can be no, we can be done with I think FNAF is where we draw the line for for uh indie horror game movies. Poppy No. You want a Poppy's Playtime game? Really? Or movie? I think uh, you know what? This is going to be the biggest funniest thing I've ever said, okay? The stu- oh, probably the stupidest thing. I want a Poppy's Playtime movie and I want it connected to Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> Dude, okay. We should probably explain what Willy's Wonderland is cuz we've been talking about it. So, uh Raven, you can kind of tell everybody exactly the premise of Willy's okay. Wonderland and everything about it from actors and all that. All right. All right. Look, well, I'm not going to go into that much detail. It's not worth that much detail, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give the main thing that will sell the movie to most people. Okay. So if you're not a five nights at Freddy's fan, uh, fan, okay. And you don't really care about Freddy Fazbear. There is a great movie called Willy's Wonderland that has Nicolas Cage that says absolutely no lines in the movie, okay, where he has a car that broke down through, you know, breaking down, because that's what cars do, and he needs to get it fixed, and people offer him a job to clean Willy's Wonderland, which is kind of like Freddy Fazbear's place, and that if he does, in the morning, his car will be fixed, now, of course, he think uh, Nicholas Cage's character thinks this is like the dumbest offer in the world, uh, but he agrees. He, while cleaning up, the animatronics come to life uh, because he's meant to be there as kind of like a sacrifice to the evil spirits that inhabit the animatronics, and they quickly find out. The animatronics quickly find out that. Nicholas Cage is not stuck in the room in the building with them. They're stuck in the building with him. And he absolutely goes ham on these <laughs> animatronics. Just absolutely it's a horror movie about Nicholas Cage killing animatronics that come to life with a side plot of dumbass kids breaking in and getting their um karma for being dumbasses. Here's and honestly, that was I. Here's the here's the sad part. I was not bored during Willie's Wonderland. Neither was I, dude. That's what I was. But I was bored. But I was bored during Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay, I wasn't bored during Five Nights at Freddy's, but I never got bored of of Willie's Wonderland. Okay, so the thing that I find just so freaking hilarious about Willie's Wonderland is, like. You'll you'll get the scene where he just beats the living bejesus. Like I'm talking beats the living god out of one of the animatronics. Fucking like the the gorilla guy fucking stomps his head in on the toilet. Like boom, breaks his head open. I'm like, holy shit. All of a sudden you just see him fucking put the put the gorilla in a trash bag. And then he just goes back to cleaning with a toothbrush. And I'm like I'm like, dude, what is going on? And he does that like four times in the movie. Um he he is so determined. To clean this fucking place. That even when they come in to, these kids come in to rescue him. He's just like. He fucking ignores them. And just says fuck you guys. And just. Also for. Okay. Can I talk about how stupid. 
the kids are in that movie. Like they, I hate that yeah. subplot. I fucking hate that subplot so badly. The kids know this place is literally a murder house. They know this is like some demonic murder house. And the kids go in there and fucking start having sex. And like, like you know, okay, you know better. Get the fuck out of the place, bro. Like, come on, you guys are so stupid. Like dead that, ass. It's very realistic though, because I can imagine dumbasses actually doing that. Uh, yeah, I guess. It's just just what. <laughs> I I also found it so funny the reaction, where where Nicholas Cage comes out. He also always is changing his shirt too. After he gets a bloody, he'll go and get another shirt. Uh-huh. He cleans the whole fucking place. This place is trashed. He cleans the whole fucking place, and then beats the living shit out of Willie. He kills Willie. Like Willie doesn't even have a line. By the way, Willie's supposed to be like the big mastermind of the whole thing, and he doesn't even say a fucking word. He does like all the other animatronics will say words or say something, you know. Except for the crocodile guy, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Most of them will say something. But the one guy who you think would want to speak and talk is just says nothing and gets his ass kicked and he's dead. And that's it. <laughs> it's like, wh- what the fuck? The oh movie. I will be honest. The movie subverted all my expectations. I that, think, honestly. I, I think, honestly. That's what made it great. I think Nicolas Cage deserves a fucking Oscar for that movie, to be honest. Because how the fuck? Can you fucking make it so entertaining without fucking speaking a single line? I, I honestly think it's like it's like this... watching a GTA cutscene, like the whole thing. It's like watching a GTA cutscene where your character just does a lot of random shit, but like never speaks. I I'm gonna be honest here. I'll be honest. I think the dude was in between films at the moment, and he was taking out his aggression on on these animatronics like honestly it doesn't even feel like nicholas cage is in a movie it feels like this is nicholas cage driving to an interview or to uh an actual studio where he'll star in an actual film and along the way his car broke down and he's just so pissed off that he's in this situation because you know he, you know, he just wants to be in a good film that he is just so angry. He takes it out on these haunted animatronics. I, I, I feel like this is just a, a day in the life of Nick Nicholas Cage. This is a normal day. Dude, literally. Okay. What, what movie would he been in between though? Like, okay. If he was filming this movie during filming another movie, this movie came out in like 2021. Right. And it probably was shot in 2020. The unbearable weight of massive talent. You think he was? He was like, "I'm fucking done with Pedro Pascal." Holy fuck! Could have taken all. No, these on the way, animals. on the way to it, on the way to it. Oh. You know, because oh, the, in that it connects. Movie, it connects. Yeah, on the way to it, it connects. You know, because he's going in the movie. In that movie, the unbearable weight of massive talent. He's playing himself as Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is himself as an actor, and he's driving to some celebrity's uh, party where that's by Pedro Pascal and a lot of crap ends up ensuing because of this overly eccentric fanatic person that Pascal plays in the movie, having some like big party or birthday party. He, but Nicholas Cage is himself. So it's like, this is what happened on the way to that party is what it feels like. He's just like, that's the thing. You know, and he's just mad. He's just like, I have to do this crap so, on the way to that studio. So real you quick. Think, so, Wait, hold on. This might actually this might actually work. Okay, think about this. His car is really fancy, right? He's got a nice car, a nice fast like uh-huh. charger. 
he's never named at all. He's just called never the janitor. Named. And nobody knows who he is. So in theory, in theory, that that in this is just a game theory, okay? In theory, that works. He is Nicolas Cage and he's playing himself beating the living shit out of these animatronics. <laughs> and then uh-huh. his car gets fixed and and then he fucking he well, okay, the only thing that doesn't work is he brings a girl with him, so maybe he just like dumps her off somewhere. <laughs> he yeah, it just helps her get out of town. That's about it. You think he's that nice of a guy? Maybe as soon as it's Nicholas Cage is that nice of a guy. Come on, he'd yeah. take her out of he'd take her out of town. She'd find some beautiful I forget where the unbearable weight of massive talent takes place, but like on the way there, hey look, big city, here you go. She's like, Thanks. I'm out of that tiny little crap hole of a town. Fucking and then he continues on and yeah. As soon as the camera is cut rolling, he's like, So where do you want to go? <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know what would be funnier? You want to know what would be funnier? What? Is if, now I know it won't, but it'd be really funny if they do Poppy's Playtime, but then somewhere along the line, because they're doing more Five Night Except Freddy's movies, that Nicolas Cage's character is mentioned somewhere in the Five Nights at Freddy's movies of, well, we heard of something similar of this happening with animatronics coming to life. You know, so yeah, somewhere down by so a place called Willie's Wonderland. Have you ever heard of that? And then like some somehow... guy beat the shit out of all the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go ask him for help. But like the 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 writer, the you know the producer who is you know he connects both of the universes by like the Willie's Wonderland was like ran by the evil dude's brother or something. I don't Raven, know. Raven, I'll tell you what. When I go to Hollywood and I direct my first film. And after I become after I become the next Quentin Tarantino, they're gonna be like, "What film do you want to direct next, Mr. Nichols?" I'm be like, "You want to know what film I want to direct next? I want to direct Poppy's Playtime, Chapter One." <laughs> and they'll be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I'll be like, "No, no, 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 hold on, hold on." I explain the whole movie to them. They're like, "All right, you know, maybe it could work, you know." And then I'll be like, "But here's the thing: I want it to connect to the FNAF movie from 2023, and I want it to connect to Willy's Wonderland." <laughs> 2021 and that's what they're you gonna fucking make a big universe <laughs> the animatronic think about it, think about it. The, the tronic universe dude the animatronic dude universe. dude think about it what's the bad dude's name uh uh, uh what's the bad dude's dude's name in five nights at freddy william the one that yeah william william have to okay his brother was willy wonderland okay and then them both there's a huge like secret organization of like like evil bastards right just a big conspiracy thing where they you know kidnap kids or even just become serial killers that just trap people in animatronics and they have these buildings with people in animatronics and haunted animatronics and nicholas cage's character is going around expunging them all here's the problem here's the problem william afton already has a brother um, it'd have to be like his father or something that did Willie's. Adopted, twice removed, a cousin. Who the hell knows? <laughs> Adopted, twice removed, third cousin. <laughs> twice removed. Anybody. I love just twice of... removed. They got in once and then again and still got kicked out. <laughs> I mean, it could be anything. He could just be connected to him through the the dude, the, the, the cult. Oh yeah. my god! And then and then oh my god! It all comes back, dude. It all fucking comes back. And then at the end of like at the end of like the Poppy's playtime, like at the end credit scene, you fucking all of a sudden you fucking like um like the door opens up and it's fucking Black Adam and he's just staring at the screen. It's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He goes, I hear there's a animatronic issue, and that's it. 
That's a whole. That's a whole. We never ever expunge on it ever again. Black Adam versus Golden Freddy Fazbear. <laughs> Black Adam versus enhanced. William Afton. Dude, oh my god. Or like the fucking um, what's his nuts from the end of the. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden they're like, so I hear you want to help with our animatronic issue, and it just shows Optimus Prime. My brothers. Freddy Fazbear has been causing multiple problems. It is time we expunge them from this wretched earth. You get the actual... Dude, how old is that freaking um, uh, Optimus Prime voice actor? He's got to get into this. He's 60s. about 80. He's 82. Oh, I my believe. God. He ain't going to be alive much longer. We got to get this I don't know. Rolling. Hold on. Let me, let me we Google gotta get it. The, let we me... got to get this rolling now, dude. That's at least five movies into the franchise, dude. Let's see, Peter Cullen. Um, is, is it is he the guy that did it in the in the anime in, in the anime or in the anime? Yep, he he literally, aside from a few things that have gotten around it, he has literally a trademark on the voice. Really? That's fucking sick. What happens when he dies? Like, though? <gasps> They're gonna can't... use AI. No. Oh God. They're gonna use AI. Dude. Yeah, I was right. He's eighty-two. Dude, they're gonna be like, he's so. He is the voice of Optimus Prime. We're gonna use AI. No, dude. Just like the Beatles making their last song ever with Paul McCartney as a fucking oh my. Dude, I'm gonna. You're gonna laugh. Okay. Speaking of, since you brought this all up while you were explaining your your Black Adam or Optimus Prime crossover to the Five Nights at Freddy and all this other stuff, yeah. I you reminded me of a dream I had, or <laughs> somehow. The Transformers universe joined the Star Wars universe. Oh, God. And you had like, you know how in the 2007 Michael Bay one, when they yeah. come to Earth, they come to Earth as a meteor. Well, I had a dumb dream. OK, no movie characters. OK, like my brain made up like just random people that there was like a war going on between like full-fledged Sith and Jedi and out of nowhere these meteors fell down on the deserty looking planet and out of it like popped like Optimus Prime and fucking Bumblebee and crap and that the they transformed into like the Star Wars technology and stuff and the and 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 they literally were like riding transformers into battle against Sith and it was so weird I woke up like bro why the that's fucking. That's fucking. That's fucking hilarious, dude. The Sith and Jedi would get rolled by by uh, Transformers though, because most of them are not strong not really. enough. No, the only ones that wouldn't get rolled would be the the High Jedi. I'm talking like, or the High, not even the High Jedi. The Jedi aren't strong enough. They 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 use they use the Force to overcome. They don't use the Force for power. So the the high ranking Sith, I, I'm thinking like, for example, I'm thinking Darth Vader in his prime. I don't know if you've ever watched. Um, uh what what's that ver uh the cartoon versus or whatever that like uh that youtube show where they like have guy versus guy uh when yeah. i think of like optimus prime i think of like uh, like the first thing i think of is that battle that darth vader has with obito from naruto because obito has the ten tails which is about the size of probably what optimus prime is and darth vader can handle his own against it because his force power is, is strong enough but like trying to force push and trying to use lightsabers and stuff like that they're too big they're just way too big. They they would crash. Yeah, but you're forgetting one thing. I guess the technology. If a yeah. Sith, if a Sith is powerful enough, 
the lightning. Yes, but okay, so so that's what I was gonna bring up. The only people that have the ability to do uh to to there's actually weather conjuring in, in Star Wars. Um usually lightning storms. Palpatine was able to to manipulate weather. Darth Vader was able to make storms, but he wasn't able to make storm like massive storms. He was able to make storms around his body, kind of like how Palpatine was. But Palpatine could manipulate weather. Palpatine could um if you notice I this is actually I think this is a lore thing. It might be in Legends. I don't know if it's canon. But in Legends, the reason why Camino was always raining was because there was a Sith that put a curse on it who had the ability to control the weather. And when he died, um, it rained infinitely. And it was already a flooded planet, and it flooded even worse. Um, But, no, I think... I, I don't know. That would be a good battle. Dude, Transformers versus the Godzilla universe, dude? That would be a good one. Oh, man. Optimus oh. Prime on top of godzilla as they rush towards king Ghidorah. oh dude godzilla we must fight king Ghidorah. and fucking godzilla. optimus prime signaling to godzilla and then, and then godzilla godzilla breath. just like turns to the camera and goes well that's awkward like in, in only time godzilla's ever spoke english is an entire life speaks speaks one word speaks one phrase in in the entirety of godzilla's history he speaks English for one one thing. He speaks language for one thing, and it just looks at the camera and goes, "Well, that's awkward." God, dude, what has filmmaking become? Dude, I could actually come up with a very dramatic battle between God with Optimus Prime, Godzilla, dude, and then that three-headed dragon. Between, I could come up with a dramatic battle between fucking Freddy Fazbear and fucking Captain America. Like it's not hard. It's like, not hard I want anymore. You to, I want you to imagine it like like they're down on their last limbs and like Optimus Prime is like holding a part of the the fucking dragon. Okay, and he's just like signaling to Godzilla to use his atomic breath, even though it would melt him too. It'd be who, so sad. Who do you think wins, Nick Nick Cage's Willy's Wonderland character or Godzilla? Nick Cage. <laughs> He's like fucking Kratos, or he's just like climbing him, and they're trying to get him off, and he just keeps fucking killing him as he's climbing him. Oh, After dude. he kills Godzilla, he changes shirt, grab another drink, and then start mopping up Power the scene. Power punch pop. God, what a fucking joke. Dude, that can literally be his name. He's just called the janitor. He goes to these places where animatronics are, he murders the crap out of them, and then he cleans them all up. He cleans house. He is the janitor. Dude... No, dude, I feel like a okay, a Poppy's Playtime movie would actually be kind of good, I feel like, because there's there's a lot of lore behind it. I want a fucking Backrooms movie. I'm going to make a Backrooms movie. I'm so tired of Yeah, nobody... there's some short fans. Movies. I don't give a fuck about short films. I want a full movie, dude. I want I want a full-fledged movie or a, or a TV show where it talks about specific people getting trapped in the backrooms. Um like just like this character's trapped on this floor of the backrooms and so and so and so. Like that would be epic. That would be so good. I would love a found footage movie of that. Found footage would be good. Um the only problem I have with found footage movie of the backrooms is I feel like it, it's so cliche cuz it's been done so many times. Like those well not like a full-fledged movie but like backroom style. Everything is always from from found footage perspective of the backrooms, which yes, that's fine. It kind of works but I just, it's not my taste. Okay, my theater yeah. experience. God damn. Yeah, tell us. Okay, so, <laughs> so FNAF at Freddy's, um, we've already kind of discussed the movie as a whole. But um, as I said, the age range in that theater was 15 to 25, except for 
just a few people. The people who sat next to me, they there there was about five of them. Okay, so I was in I was in. You, for those of you who don't know, theaters are now like uh like concerts where you have to pick your seat, um before you before when you get your ticket. So I was sitting in C four. <clears throat> to my left there was three seats, and then there was and then in front of them there was two seats. So the two dudes, the dad and I'm assuming his friend or his brother or whoever the fuck was with him was sitting up there, and the mom was stuck. With three children and three seats. And I shit you not. Two of these fucking kids were under the age of five. Not six, five. And they were fucking so loud the entire fucking film. And here's the thing. It is a PG-13 movie. Parental Guidance 13. If your kid's under 13, it's Parental Guidance, okay? That's how it works. Same with R-rated movie. Your kid can go see it if the parent gives permission. Okay, that's how it works. So yes, kid can be in the movie. Sure. Do I think you want to bring your kid to this movie? Probably not. Okay, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the problem that I had. I don't care if your kid comes to the movie. But when your kid is sitting there fucking squirming, she kicked my fucking pop over, which I was pissed about. I was so mad, but I was like, I was like, I'm in this movie, so I don't care. Okay. That that pisses me off. Okay, so. I get into the theater and it's packed, not even into the theater. I, I get out of my car and there are cars all over the theater. I have never seen it this packed in my life. It wasn't this packed for the creator. It wasn't this packed for Saw. It wasn't this packed. I'm trying to think of the other film I watched in this theater. Um, oh, shit. Nuts. Don't remember um, the other film that I watched in this theater. But it, yeah, no, it was never this packed. Okay. I've been in this theater three times before this and it was not this packed, okay? Closest was Jigsaw, which had about half the theater probably full. This had the whole theater full. There was probably about 30 seats in that theater, and they were all full. Everybody, except for the people sitting next to me in their little jits, were from the ages of 15 to 25. I get into the theater, and there's a line almost out to the door to get into the theater and get concessions. And um, everybody's literally, I have a picture. I, I'm, I don't know if I'll show it on screen, but I'll send it to Raven. Let me just describe this picture to you as I send it to Raven. So this picture, I actually, I think I already sent it to Raven. I sent it to him yesterday. Um, yeah, I sent both of them. There were people standing outside of the theater waiting for the people to get done in the theater for the next movie. And they, they got out and 30 people filed out of that theater fucking laughing and having fun and shit like that. And then we all went in. It was like the, it was like literally being at like, um, the premiere for, uh, for Spider-Man No Way Home. We're literally, I remember I went with Charlie. It was the last movie I watched with Charlie. God bless Charlie. I love that boy. Um, he, me and him were literally like crowded. There were so many people trying to get into that movie. That's how this felt. It felt like if I hadn't have bought a ticket. Also, I want to say on Fandango, almost every single seat had been purchased already, which was crazy. So they did another. I was talking to the guy at the counter while I was getting my drinks. Well, I, I went, I went and I went and set my stuff down in my at my chair, and then I went back to get like popcorn and stuff like that after you know all that. And I was talking to him once it died down, like right before the movie was about to start. And he said that they had three showings before this, and all three of them were sold out. So, um, this movie was blowing the fuck up. I get into the theater. I, I, I already talked about the experience with that, that girl I had from my class who wanted to rip my shirt off and steal it from me. Um, there was, 
there was so many people in there. And I, on my right, I was sitting next to a bunch of high schoolers. Uh, like the one kid, he said he was like, "Oh, I'm 16. They can't arrest me." Which, by the way, you can be tried as an adult at 16. So shut up. Um, but they were fucking. They were giggling and laughing and being loud. Um, they weren't as bad as the people to my left, the little jets um, and the mother. But they were like, like when Matt Pat showed up, he goes, "Holy shit, it's Matt Pat!" Like he screamed, and I was like, "What the dude? We're in a theater, bro. We're not at home. You, dude." They need to, there needs to be, this is the problem with cinema, is so little people go to it now, they forget about common cinema etiquette. There needs to be, like, a crash course taught in, in, in like, middle school. Cinema etiquette. Okay? And, I mean, it's common knowledge, actually. You don't even need a fucking, uh, uh, you don't even need to take a class on it. Literally, shut the fuck up. Don't be loud. Don't open rappers during quiet scenes. And don't talk or be on your phone. Okay, that's like the main things. It's somehow people don't know how to not do that. Like, fucking kids look over to my right. Kids are on their fucking phones. Fucking one of them was taking pictures of the movie. I was like, okay, for a Snapchat or whatever, whatever. I don't care. Um, and then the other kid was fucking loud as fuck. They were giggling and shit. Fucking when there was like serious scenes going on, like when they sat down. Um, when the cop sat down with Josh Hutchinson's character, uh, at the yeah. river, you know. They started laughing, and they're like, oh, the acting's so fucking bad. <laughs> like, really loud. Like, fucking, I thought I was sitting next to Mordecai and fucking Rigby, dude. Like, I wanted to literally punch him. <laughs> like, like it was so fucking bad, dude. And so then, um, then it got even worse, because the little jits, probably about a five-year-old little girl, and then another five-year-old little girl, were sitting right next to me. The one girl, she's fucking jumping around in her seat and shit like that, because, you know, she's tiny, and the seats are a little bit bigger. And the mom's like, shh, stop, stop. Like, you don't know how many times I heard her, like, literally lean over and go, stop, stop. And she'd be like, mom. So what happened was she got it. They got, they got her a small drink or whatever. And she goes, I wanted soda, not an icy. And she's, like, crying for, like, the first, like, 10 minutes of the film that she wanted a fucking soda and not an icy. So the dad grabs the icy and takes it and then goes and gets her a soda. And then the next thing, you know, because, you know, once you give a, sp a spoiled kid, I don't know if they're spoiled. I shouldn't say that. But once you give a kid something like that, then they want the next thing, you know? That's how it works. So then, oh, I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm cold. You know, all that. The girl starts fucking having a temper tantrum, kicks my soda, and then the woman comes over and she goes, I'm so sorry. It's like, I'm trying to watch the film. Like, I'm trying to watch a movie. Stop. And then, and then, like, halfway through the film, the girl goes, Mom, I want to go home. Like, as loud as she could say it. Mom, I want to go home. And she goes, shh. Like, like trying to, shh. She goes, I want to go home. I don't want to be here. If you don't want to be here, why did you take your kid to the film? She obviously doesn't want to be here. She's having a fit. Don't bring her to the film. Find somebody to babysit her. Or find, just find anything. Like, seriously. Like, I don't, ugh. And then she, like, fucking spilt the popcorn. And then the one, like, older girl out of the three, who was probably, like, eight or nine, she goes, Carissa! Like, loud. And then she, the mother goes over to her and goes, shh, stop. And, like, then she goes, she spilt the popcorn. It's like, dude, please, just, I'm trying to watch the film. Like, I just want to watch this movie. Somehow, it didn't bother me as bad as I thought it was. As I'm describing it now, it was bad. But I could still get a full, deep understanding of everything that was happening. Um, so. Well, that's good. <laughs>
I get luckily I get tunnel visioned, um, which is a bad thing when you're playing football. It's a bad thing when you're playing video games. It's a bad thing when you're writing. It's a good thing when you're watching a movie or, or trying to um, read. If you get tunnel visioned, it's really hard to break me out of it. Like reading, the only I, honestly, like when it comes to reading. Yeah, I put my AirPods in. I put them on uh, noise cancellation with the little rain sound effects because you can do that with the AirPods. I don't know if you know that. Like, they have, like, sounds that, like, Apple recorded, and they're, like, the rain is so good. Like, the rain just literally reminds me, like, I'm in Washington on, like, a rainy, like, at my grandpa's house, like, in the woods reading. It, like, I can almost feel like I'm there. Um, I get tunnel vision, though. Like, I'll, I'll get so stuck in my book. Um, and that's actually a bad thing, too, when in college because you're supposed to be dual tasking. You're supposed to be analyzing the text, too. Like, underlining uh, or like are like yeah. sticky noting and stuff like that and it kind of gets kind of shit where you're like fuck i forgot to do the last five pages so then you go back and you're like fuck okay this and this and it's like damn it so luckily uh my my advisor dr martel um he's also my teacher for world, he's my professor for world, world literature he's born in mexico knows how to speak four languages he knows how to speak german he knows how to speak french knows how to speak english and knows how to speak spanish he's an amazing guy he's awesome i love him um he was like, well, you know, just – you remember, he goes, we're reading. We're not trying to analyze. We're reading. He, he, he wants it to be a reading first, analyze second because he goes, I understand, you know, trying to unimmerse – he goes, especially when we're talking about monsters because this, uh, uh, this whole class is on monsters. So like um, psychological, um, actual monsters like Dracula – um, ghosts mm-hmm. and spirits, like Beloved and Quaidon, like ghost stories. I don't know if you've ever read Quaidon, the Japanese short stories. No. Good book. You need to read it. It's only like 90 pages long. <laughs> really fun. Uh, but it is, yeah, no, my, my, my theater experience was, was, to say the least, not the best. Um, but that happens all the time when the theater is crowded. Marvel fans were the same way. When No Way Home and Endgame, when I went to the premieres of both of those films, they're probably just as bad as those little girls are. Those motherfuckers are actually children. Like, they'll be like, uh, like the one guy was like, are you guys excited for the film before Endgame even started? And I'm like, dude, I look back at him. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Can I just watch the movie? Like, as like as the opening <laughs> credit scene of Endgame is happening, like, um... As it's happening, it, he literally goes, are you guys excited for the film? And somebody goes, woo, like that. It's like, dude, please, just let me watch the movie. Have you ever seen the clips of... Turn off the in- flash, you fucking moron! <laughs> that one? <laughs> no, no, no. Have you seen the clips? Uh, well, that that clip is funny, too. But have you seen the clips of Infinity War when Thor arrives to the battlefield? how many theater reactions there are of that. There was one where a theater literally erupted so <laughs> freaking loud. Like for me, I w- I had the pleasure of being, you know, in a quiet theater. So I didn't have a lot of people and I was able to enjoy the moment of, yay, Thor arrived with his new big Stormbringer hammer. This is the Stormbreaker hammer and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. This is so emotional. You know, bring me Thanos. He's truly the God we're supposed to have. And it's like, I got to, I, I got to, you know, process that emotionally. And then I, and then I look at the clips on YouTube Okay, where whole theaters were erupting as if this was the brand new Super Bowl. Okay, (laughs) like we're talking like this was a whole stadium 
like like they were watching a Super Bowl game, just erupting the moment Thor happened. I'm like, bro, I could never, I I, I could never be in a theater that did that because it's like I like to just watch my movies. I saw this on Instagram. I want to send this to you, Raven. I'll send. I'm sending it to you. Um, I'm not gonna show it on on screen. Um, it just says the caption just says there was a fight at the FNAF movie hashtag FNAF, and when you do the hashtags on Twitter, it will give like the cool emoji. So that's the Freddy emoji. It's literally just some dude getting the living shit beat out of him at the fucking FNAF movie. Like literally, <laughs> five nights at Freddy. <laughs> Literally, it's like five people in like the. It's like some dude filming from the back of the theater, and like five people are just beating the crap out of this poor guy. But no, and then No Way Home was bad too. I remember me and Charlie. I don't know if Charlie remembers this, but there was a guy sitting next to us. Um, or no, he was sitting. He was sitting in front of us because next to me, um, that one. Oh God, one kid I knew from school showed up, and he was like, "Hey, Jason." I was like, "Oh, and God, no, please." So that was during my like. I'm, like, not talking to anybody arc because it was during COVID, still kind of, technically. Um, so the guy in front of us, I remember, he, like, leaned his chair all the way back, and he, like, like jumped. Okay, so, like, we at, we have recliner chairs at, at, at the theater in Montevideo uh, in my hometown. And they, he fucking, like, reclined all the way back and then, like, scooted up into his chair and, like, hung his head on the back of the chair and was like looking around and then he looked like direct eye contact with me as like the opening okay you know this the brick scene do you remember no way home when um yeah yeah when daredevil catches the brick through the and he goes i'm a really good lawyer <laughs> you know that scene uh-huh. it was like right before that scene when like that they first like where daredevil first shows up this guy is looking around the film and then just makes direct eye contact with me and i try to look away and like you know how when you can see somebody staring at you out of the corner of their eye he stared at yeah. me for like 30 seconds while i was trying to watch the movie and i'm like dude please just stop like what are you six in the brain like you might be 20 in the body but you fucking are acting like a four-year-old dude oh my god <laughs> that's like horror movie material yeah like it was so bad like it, it reminded me of of the scene from the boys when when homelander is like at the eight train race and, and fucking butcher's just staring at him and he looks down at him and butcher's still staring at him and then he looks away and he looks back and butcher's gone <laughs> you remember that scene yeah i do that's what it reminded me of because then he just like got back into his chair and just like kept it normal and i was like what the fuck is going on dude oh these people are bland in the brain dude oh well raven well that sounded like a great theater experience yeah that was probably a top three worst theater experience i've had i'm gonna be honest oh dude those theater reactions from the 80s for star wars the luke i'm your father have you ever seen that like rare footage Mm -hmm. of somebody it's funny because somebody was trying to do a pirated cam and a pirated cam ended up saving the whole fucking that whole thing. Thank you, Piracy. We love you. Honestly, yes, love you. they should put cameras in fucking theaters. Not to record it and sell the film, but just for, like, in, like, massive premieres, just to see audience reactions so we can, like, save them and preserve them. I would do that at my theater. Yeah. And I'd post it on YouTube be like, audience reaction to FNAF Bear. All right. So, let's rank this movie, Raven. 
Uh, we did. We somehow. This is a very old school episode, like a very early Beast Cast, where we talk about one topic for the entire fucking film or the entire <laughs> duration. I enjoy, It was great, though. It it was great. I love this. I I love doing these one offs like this, where we kind of just have one thing to talk about. Raven. For anybody who can actually sit through this whole episode, I love. Oh, you. There, dude, I think there's gonna be a lot of people. I think this is gonna be a good episode. Um, Raven, at a scale of one to ten, what would you rate this film on the Beast Cast? A scale? six. Six on the beast cast scale, just a little bit above average. Nothing, nothing that yeah, loud. Slightly you, above average, yeah. Not best takeaway and worst takeaway. Best takeaway, great uh, beginning of the movie and amazing animatronics. Uh, worst takeaway, um, that's not how you build a fort. <laughs> okay, the body falling scene was kind of lit. Um, okay. I'm going to rate this a 7 out of 10. I'm a little more biased, so I give it one higher. It's 7 out of 10. It's nothing that's going to get in the 8, 9, or 10 range where these are fantastic movies. But you will go into this movie enjoying it. If a movie can make me enjoy it, it's above average. Because most average movies, I'm just like, oh, okay, I never watch it again. This, I could see myself maybe watching one time again in the future. Um, my best takeaway from this, I love the animatronics. I love seeing FNAF finally be on the big screen. My worst takeaway, I didn't like the Abbey subplot. It could have been done. At if they were going to do it, they could have at least done it a little differently. And I didn't like it. Um, also, William Afton was kind of goofy. I still don't know how I feel about him. I'm letting that marinate. Uh, Raven, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anything else you want to add or say or do? Uh, no, that's about it. Well, as always, guys, thank you for listening to the BeastCast. Um, give us five stars. Uh podcast is everywhere it's on spotify it's on apple google podcast uh firefox i saw that that was weird i was like what the hell apparently people are listening to this on their their little uh alexas and all that stuff too um so we thank you guys for listening to this if you're listening to this on on a commute from uh from like uh from work i know i know uh <clears throat> certain somebody named tyler ewell yep i'm calling him out doxing him uh, listens to this on his commute every single every single episode he listens on his commute uh from work is a 45 minute uh commute so shout out to him um but yeah if you guys listen to this whenever you get the chance to listen to it um we thank you and if you made it all the way through we even thank you more um with that i think we're gonna sign off thank you guys for such an amazing um experience and and i mean yeah i hope uh i hope we fucking i don't even know I, I actually I hope we get another FNAF movie. I really do hope we get another FNAF movie. All right, take care, guys. We'll see ya. Bye bye, boys and girls bye. and everything in between and far behind. All right, bye. <laughs>